0: Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. Again, I'm joined by Sister Mary Eucharista. She is a sister of Mary, mother of the church. And boy, we've got a lot to cover. But before we do that, we're going to begin our program with a prayer. Uh, Sister Eucharista, would you mind leading us in the prayer? I would be very happy to do that. In the name of the Father, and
1: of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And Lord, we get to ask you whenever we think about it, or whenever you will, to come to us In a spiritual communion, this is not you physically present within us, but it is a spiritual presence of you. We ask that you please bless us and bless this hour and all of those listening and assist especially those who are seeking help in their lives for the natural occurrence of anger and some supernatural remedies and also some natural ones. Thank you for giving us our lives, the gift of our bodies and our emotions, our souls, our wills, our temperaments, our personalities, and everything about ourselves that you have given to us. Thank you for our guardian angels. Thank you for technology, for enlightening Tom so that he would have this show to reach the many people who are driving along and and maybe not thinking of a lot, but are suddenly spurred on to prayer by an actual grace from this show thank you lord we ask these blessings in your holy name as we pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name
0: thy kingdom
1: come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, Sister Mary Eucharista, that was beautiful. Um, Thank you. I'm going to have to get used to calling you that. I'm so used to calling you Sister Eucharista. So, uh, <laughs> but your your religious name is officially, formally, Sister Mary Eucharista.
1: That's right. And I have a title as well, which a lot of people don't know unless they've been present for our vows. And my title was given to me on the, uh, on the day of my uh, novitiate, my first, uh, when I received my habit, and that is Our Lady of the cenacle which is, uh, it was a, I had many interests and devotions in those days. And that was, of course, 41 years ago. <laughs> it's a long time ago, but uh, I've been a nun for a while. And um, Our Lady of the cenacle is actually uh, the Blessed Mother in her, uh, spousehood of the Holy Spirit in her uh, receiving um, the Holy Spirit with the apostles and also, and this was way before we founded the sisters of Mary mother of the church or God founded it with us. So it's kind of a, a little, you know, God knows everything at the time that we don't imagine what could be in our future. It's pretty cool.
0: You know, uh, sister Mary Eucharist, you, you talked about a title. And so when you said uh, our lady of the cynical, is that sort of like sister, uh, like, the little flower, St. Therese, of the child Jesus, That's correct. that you would be Sister Mary Eucharista of Our Lady of the Cynical? That's correct.
1: Plus, wow. you know, the, the Eucharist took place, uh, Jesus established or instituted the Eucharist in the Cynical as well. So it kind of really
0: fits. It's kind of a cool thing. I love that. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to explore that a little bit with you. Um, Because you mentioned that um, our Blessed Mother in the Cynical, the Cynical, the upper room. So for Mm -hmm. folks that are listening, I think that if you're familiar with traditional Catholic art, um, they might have seen images of the upper room at Pentecost where the Blessed Mother is in often a central position uh, in prayer and the other apostles are around her. And then the flame of fire, symbolizing the coming of the Holy Spirit, is resting on all of them. But I think that many Catholics have not reflected that much on the role or the presence of our Blessed Mother in those days of uh, the first novena, the novena to the Holy Spirit, the from uh, you know the from the Ascension. Ascension Thursday until Pentecost Sunday. Have you given much thought or reflection to the role that the Blessed Mother played in those days of prayerful waiting and novena for the coming of the
1: Spirit? Only every day. It's part of our charism. (laughs) (laughs) What we say in our charism, where the sisters is together with Mary, mother of the church, which is a reference to Mary being in the upper room with the apostles when the Holy Spirit uh, you know they were praying together uh, and with Mary the mother of Jesus so we uh, honor her in that realm of her being in the upper room I actually got to visit the upper room um, It it is you know our, our it, when I was in the Holy Land this past September uh, I was interested in um, very very interested in going to this beautiful place and I had all these expectations and this huge set of uh, like what I was going to touch everything to and all of a sudden I didn't realize but our our leader brought us into the upper room before we even realized what it was. He kept explaining it as a kind of a different word and not the cynical, not the upper room, something else. Anyway, I, I was like, just a minute, Father, come on, is this is this the upper room? Is this the cynical? He said oh, sister, you know, this is what the crusaders built and what is believed. And I'm like, no, no, this is it. This is that room I always wanted to visit. I cannot believe it. This is my title. And all the pilgrims are staring at me like, sister is blowing a gasket or she's, uh, I got something going here. There's a, uh, yeah. Anyway, I was like, I, this was this was passion. I was so excited that this was the upper room. And of course I knew it's the one the crusaders built over the, the revered spot, but You know, it's the general spot where the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles. But frankly, one thing I think we all need to remember, and that's whether we're going to the Holy Land or not, and that is that our faith brings us the descent of the Holy Spirit as we pray the word, you know, with the Acts of the Apostles. On Pentecost, we are experiencing that very event, and this is happening, and as we read scripture, this is happening. This anamnesis is occurring now, whenever we are reading the word, and it doesn't matter if it's where the, you know, crusaders built it, or where the, uh, you know, where all my expectations were, the fact that the convergence of my faith with the place that the crusaders built, with the reality that Mary is indeed the mother of the church. And she is central to this understanding of the Holy spirit coming to us. In fact, when we invite her in the Holy spirit, St. Louis de Montfort says is more excited about coming to our hearts when his spouse, Mary is there. That's what um, it's a famous line from his book, True devotion to the blessed Virgin Mary.
0: Wow. That's uh, that's lovely uh, sister. Now, I want to um, break open for the folks that are listening or watching this, uh, this interview that we have, Mary, you are a member of the Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Church, and, and we've had a chance in, in previous interviews to talk a bit about the history of your community, but I want to just focus first on just that charism and that understanding of the Blessed Mother as Mother of the Church and, um, and related to our lives. I'm a member of the Church. So um, for our listeners or or those viewing, what would be a a way that they could experience the mothering care of the Blessed Mother in their lives? And and maybe in a special way, connecting it to her spouse, the Holy Spirit. I think that there are uh, so many ways to do this, to hone in
1: on one is kind of tough for me, but I'll go ahead and do it. Um, I think that
0: Sister, Maybe. if you want, I can give you three. Oh, you got three. Give me three ways. All right. How about that? Oh,
1: man. Listen to you. You're <laughs> getting like Father Spitzer here. He's got his three numbers all the time. Uh, so, all right. One way would be to uh, acknowledge Mary, the mother of Jesus. If you don't have a devotion to Mary yet, um, ask Jesus to give it to you because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit chose Mary through which God would touch the world in his physical uh, hypostatic union, his union of Godhead and manhood. So Mary was already chosen. Mary had a choice to receive this great gift or to reject it. And she chose to receive it. She was living a life of virginity anyway, with the Virgin St. Joseph, who was going to live this great life. And he and she had to change their plans. I think every time we find our plans changed for the kingdom of God, that's when we can unite with Mary, mother of the church. That's one of those times. Um, Another time would be before Holy Communion. We could ask Mary to come into our hearts and minister to us. And, uh, you know, in the time of St. Louis de Montfort, who is the I'm not going to say the founder of True Devotion, but he really did articulate it well in his book, True Devotion to Mary, which was also picked up by uh, a variety of saints. And if you ever read the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, you can find the wealth there that Father Michael Gately uh, collected to encourage people to this devotion to Jesus through Mary. But before communion, welcome her in ask her to make the place awesome for Jesus. We don't have to clean up before Jesus comes, but it's a nice thing. You know, I remember one time a priest told me in confession, you know, you're, you're very, very neat about your sins. You're, you put everything in order. You're telling me how you're you know, going to work on this. You're doing all this. He said, I have a suggestion and you can take it or leave it, but maybe you could just let Jesus into the mess. And I'm like, Oh, yes, that is the best idea ever. It's such a pain to think I have to have everything all scrubbed up. and But Mary can do this for us as well. She can come in and do wonders with your soul. And, you know, Mary, depending on how we think of her, really, she is really a a measure of our expectations in our own mind. But when we put those aside and think of what complete holiness would be, uh, someone asked me one day, it was at a retreat in Kennewick, and the person said, um, you know, I, I feel kind of sorry for St. Joseph because, you know, here he is, a member of the Holy Family, and he's got God and the most perfect creature that ever lived, Mary. And of course, if there's a mistake made, who's doing it? And I, and we all laughed, you know, poor, poor St. Joseph, of course. But I said, you know, I think, she, and, and this woman was serious. She said, I, I feel bad for him. He probably was always feeling less than. And I said, I think if we are looking at what real holiness is, we're probably looking at Mary and Jesus being in the mess and saying, Joseph, we love you so much. They would have him feeling so accepted, so loved, so welcome all the time. And we, we we get a funny idea from the exegetes from the Middle Ages on what real sanctity is. You know, um, people like who said St. Alphonsus or Maria, well, let's see, St. Uh, Aloysius Gonzaga never looked a woman in the face, even his mother. Now that I do not believe. St. Uh, Alphonsus Liguri at age five was cussing in the in the courtyard. He was a regular guy. Um, I don't think, and it was just because that was his surrounding. Um, I think sometimes we learned to think that piety was something other than what it really is. And that is to be truly virtuous, to be truly everything that God is, which we can't even imagine. God goes where the water flows to the lowest place. So Mary is going to do the same thing. And if we feel bad about ourselves, welcome her in let her help us to build us up. So we know God is listening. We believe in God. Where is the level of our faith? How do we believe in God? Do we really think that, uh, that he will um, listen to us if we're praying? If we don't ask Mary to help us to believe. Um, So that's two things. The third thing I would say would be to just um, read out more about Mary, find out how, Uh, The saints regarded her. Find out um, when we pray to her, and it's okay to pray to Mary. We pray to God, but we are also to pray to those who are also there interceding for us. And Mary was given as a direct gift from Jesus on the cross. And he said, woman, behold your son. And St. John is in persona the entire human race. And he's also uh, the person that received the gift here for us of his mother, of Jesus' mother. And then, mother, behold your child. And all of us, here she is looking on the murderers of her own son. And so when we think of the crucifixion, we can think of Mary, mother of the church, and ask her to help us to develop the same sense of releasing ourselves from any kind of natural um, shame slash uh, anger at our fellow humans, and all those other elements that kind of render us less than palatable in the face of humans and God. And then let her be let her let her be a mom to us. She's a mom. If we don't have a mom, ask her to be a mom. Saint Saint uh, Catherine Labouré did that. And she stood up on a chair after she lost her mom at age 11, and she said, now you will be my mother. Wow. Think of what happened later on when she became a postulant, and Our Lady sat in the chair in the chapel, and her guardian angel came and got St. Catherine and said, Our Lady's waiting for you in the chapel. She runs to the chapel, and there's Our Lady sitting in this chair that the chaplain sat in. <laughs> it's a blue velvet chair. I went and saw it in Rudebach years ago. It's amazing. Our Lady is just a mom. She's a mom.
0: Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. You know, sister... Uh, You said a number of beautiful things there. I'm talking with Sister Mary Eucharista. She is the one who administrates uh, the different events and retreats that happen at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center here in Spokane. And we're going to talk about two upcoming silent retreats that Sister will be facilitating coming up uh, at the the end of this month. One's coming up shortly and then one uh, about a week or or so later. And um, Sister, you said that when we're getting ready to go to communion... Invite the Blessed Mother to come and clean up, to help you be spiritually attuned and ready to receive the Lord uh, in the act of receiving Holy Communion. I think a lot of um, folks, it's hard to sometimes to wrap our minds around the idea that, now, wait a minute, if I make that aspirational prayer, if I turn and and I reach out to heaven and I call out to the Blessed Mother interiorly, Mother Mary, please just just help me come come to me now and prepare my soul for holy communion it's it's hard to fathom there are 8 billion of us here on this earth that the blessed mother she's aware of me she is a, aware of me personally and what's happening to me right now and when i speak those words to her she actually cares enough and and I, i'm not like i count enough that she, she would actually come to me and perform some kind of spiritual blessing that will cleanse and prepare me. That is hard to fathom.
1: Wow. I don't think it's hard to fathom at all if we are conscious of what Jesus did when he gave uh, us to Mary. He died for each of us. That means each of us is worth so much that her son died for that person every one of us Tom I, I I think sometimes when we are being feeling unworthy or imagining that oh there's just so many of us how could God even keep track let alone you know um I think we're we're really undercutting who God is we think of God as one of us and yes Jesus became one of us but let's not forget if we think for a moment we understand who God is we're wrong because we, we can't even begin we're too limited we cannot fathom a limitless, eternal divinity who is also our father, our loved one and loves us more than we could ever guess and has taught us to love. Um, when Mary has been asked by one of the chosen tro- chosen treasures, and that's any human being on earth to come and do a little favor, uh, for the sake of her son. You know, every time we say her name, she says Jesus, according to St. Louis, de Montfort. and we can't, uh, you know there's there's no way we can overuse her help she's involved in us with us um there's a an old priest named Pere Le I think in the 1700s or 1800s in France and he used to walk around with the Blessed mother he had a very he had kind of a a simple heart and he loved Mary and he looked up to her and he was kind of gaga whenever he would talk to her and one day she came and physically appeared to him. And he was so unbelievably, uh, I mean, he, he didn't really talk about it, but sometimes he would murmur something and people would keep an eye out and they would see that he was, you know, in the presence of the Blessed Mother. And he would just ask simple things of her. Like one day he just said, oh, Mother Mary, my I think he had an affectionate name for her, but I don't remember right now what it was. Um, But he said, "Uh, my feet are so big. (laughs) I hate my big feet. Can't you just let me have little feet? I really want to have little feet. And Mary did. She gave him little feet, his feet shrank down. And it was like, it's like, oh, come on. You know, that's what some might say when they hear a story like this. But this is the kind of simple things Mary will do. How much more will she encourage a child of her own heart to receive Jesus better? She's a mom. She's looking at us. This unworthiness that we feel is not from God. This is this is part of the effects of original sin. Each of us is a baby at the feet of the divine father. We're curious. We're looking around. We're getting dirty. We're getting full of, you know, Soot over here and chocolate pudding over there and we're a mess. We think that because we're a mess, God should just throw us out. But let's think about it. How many of us are going to throw our baby away if the baby gets dirty? No, this baby is of inestimable value. Each of us has so much value. We we can never, it's one of the tests of faith of this earth. We can never put a price. Uh, You know who does know how valuable we are? That's Satan, and he wants us more than we can ever imagine, not to give us a place of honor in his lower kingdom, but to persecute us more because we are God's treasures, each of us, every human being, every human being.
0: You know, sister, uh, you were talking about how we can approach the Blessed Mother uh, and call upon her aid uh, to be a mother to us. Um I remember the story, I was listening to a talk on the Blessed Mother just recently, and it was, what does Mary want from us? Something like that. And and this particular speaker, also a, a religious sister, referenced the uh, apparitions of our Blessed Mother at Fatima and how Sister Lucia, whenever, uh, at this point, a 10-year-old girl, uh, whenever the Blessed Mother appeared, the first thing that she would say to Mary is, what do you want of me? What what are you asking of us? What do you want us to do? And so I'm going to put that in front of you. If we go to Mary and say to her, what do you want of me? What do you want me to do? What do you think Mary would say to us today?
1: I think Mary would say, first of all, know that God is real and he loves you. And then she would say, When you are tempted, remember heaven and keep your eyes on the goal and ask me for help. Because God has given me all grace to to work with. Mm -hmm. And Our Lady appeared at Rudabach and she had the figure of the miraculous medal. She put her arms out, you know, like this. And it was the, the Our Lady of Grace with the graces flowing down. And some of the rays were light. Some of them were dark. And St. Catherine said, why are some of those rays dark? And she said, because these are the graces that nobody asks for. Imagine this is an incredible gift to us to know that we have a full treasury of spiritual money waiting for us. These are graces. Grace is something we can't see, so we don't value it. We're physical creatures. To believe that Jesus died and gave us the right to come, not or the privilege, not the right, but the privilege, but as inheritors of the kingdom, we get to come to heaven. Grace helps us get there. Let's ask for those graces. And I think Mary just wants to love us and to let God delight in us. What better way than to follow the commandments, use the um, graces that are available in our lives with the sacraments, and especially the holy sacrifice of the mass, and to prepare for that great day of reward when she will follow through on her promise whenever we pray that Hail Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. She is going to come. She's going to pick us up and say, you have been waiting a long time come on, let's go to the place where my son has prepared for you a kingdom and let's go find your mansion. And she is right there with us. She's a mom. Oh my goodness. Is she ever a mom? We can never forget. It's all about Jesus, but whenever we call on Mary, she turns right to Jesus and she says, it's all about him. Let's go there.
0: I love that. Well, I'm going to invite you folks uh, listening to Sister Mary Eucharista today. She's a Sister Mary, mother of the church. She also directs retreats and retreat programs at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center in Spokane, Washington on the South Hill. It's a beautiful grounds. I've been there a number of times and Sister is leading a couple of um, retreats. There's a silent day of prayer coming up as well as a 24-hour retreat for men and women. But sister, when, when I think about the reality of um, coming to the Blessed Mother or coming to know and believe the the gift of of the love that God the Father has for us, that he's poured out to us in Jesus, that he wants to stir and make alive in us through the gift of his spirit. Um, The striking image that you gave of graces that the Blessed Mother um, has available to us through the dispensation God has established that are not received, I think that there are things blocking on our side. And it leads us front and center to the theme of this silent day of prayer coming up in one week, a week from today, Wednesday, January 25th, from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon, you have a day of prayer on the trouble of anger. The trouble of anger. And I think about blockages to grace. I think, I think anger can be one of those. And sister, you're really good at marketing. Cause the title of this day of prayer is awesome. Pow. <laughs> I did it again. Pow. <laughs> I did it again. Did you come up with that, sister? I did. That I,
1: is I, awesome. I, I am a. I mean, anger and I are old. Uh, I'm not going to say enemies because anger is somewhat necessary in our lives. And I remember uh, when I was younger, I had some very raw anger. But I know too that as a um, as an adult, as a sister, I kind of froze out that anger. And I did not, I stuffed it down thinking, oh, I'm going to die a martyr. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how angry I feel right now. I'm just going to put it away because I don't know what to do with it. And so I kind of got into a frozen mode where my anger had turned to to ice. It was really not a good scene in a psychological way. However, I began to understand, uh, through my understanding, through my prayer life, through my um, through my formation as a religious, through the spiritual reading I was doing, through the um, high school kids that I, I taught high school for twenty three years, and juniors and seniors. I mean, one time I found myself in between. I don't I don't know what I was thinking. One of the kids came to my office one afternoon after school and said, "Sister, uh, there's trouble out on the playground. Can you come?" And I said well, where are the teachers? And he said, there's no teachers there. I don't know what had happened, but somebody got their their wires crossed and I ran out and sure enough, there's two senior boys and they're ready to fight. And the entire school is surrounding them kind of like, no, you know, I could hear it from a distance and I'm like, oh no. And I knew who these guys were and I, I knew why they were fighting. It was over a girl, but I was, um, <laughs> I, 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 I knew these guys and I knew And, and, and the whole, they're, they're, you know, getting ready and, you know, starting in. And I'm like, (laughs) I just remember this picture of St. Dominic Savio uh, between two boys. And he held up a crucifix and said, throw rocks at Jesus. If you're going to throw rocks at each other, throw rocks at Jesus. And St. You know, St. Don Bosco, of course, was so proud of him. But I never, I never thought of the reality of St. Dominic Savio holding a crucifix between two angry beasts Why do I say angry beast? Because I did not realize until I got in between them that these guys had no rationality going on at all. And I just I I got there and I I went like this and I realized, boy, was this the most stupid thing I've ever heard. And so I said, so-and-so, go get father so-and-so. And And I said, so-and-so, get down now. You get down, too. And they're like, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." and I'm like, I need some help. You get you, you know, and and anyway, I took one kid and I threw him in the car. Now, this totally I, I I was so surprised at what was going on here, but I acted fast. I'm not sure, I don't think I did the right thing. Actually, it turned out. So I had angel power working on my end, but it was so frightening just for one moment when I felt the heat and the red hot pet, impassioned beast like lack of rationality on the part of these two boys. I mean, they were 18 year olds. So um, it was in the raw Tom. And after I threw the kid in the car and he was sitting there and another couple of kids were holding him down. And I was just like looking around. And later he said, it took me a little while to realize that you were standing there. And second, that you had thrown me in the car. And that was probably the best thing you could have done because I I was gonna kill that other guy. And I said, but why would you wanna kill a fellow student? He said, I don't know, I, I don't want to kill him, but he did take my girl and there was no thinking going on. And I said, okay, wow, that introduced me to the actual, like I had been angry, but never to the point of not being able to think at all. And I think that some people find this every day And it's something that is a friend to them because maybe they've been frozen. Maybe they've been disheartened at the fact that, man, you know what? I am so sick and tired of being frozen or being the kind of victim of someone else's um, injustice. And I tell you, you know, as it gets hotter and hotter, I'm going to get back at him. And finally, you know, you hear of people, you know, death (laughs) happening because somebody got so angry after so much bullying and blew somebody away. Now that's an extreme, but honestly, it's happened uh, right here in our town uh, multiple times. It happens probably every day somewhere in the world. Um, But I learned something about being frozen with no anger and warming that freezing up to become a friend so that I could come back to my humanity. But then to see that overblown in a sense of these wild beast boys fighting over something that they could have worked out each other, I think, I hope, but that nothing makes sense in the face of that red hot passion. Um, Anger is God given. There's even certain, uh, you know, virtues about it. I mean, it's it's in a good book. It's in the Bible, be angry and sin not. People think that, well, Jesus was angry in the temple and he threw over those tables and he was mad. Well, the word anger doesn't actually enter into that. We just see his actions and we know he is incensed that the temple has been manipulating God's word and plan to to bring about profit for some and lack of, uh, you know, assets for others. And This was the changing of the temple coin from the Roman coin into, or the the Jewish shekel or whatever. Anyway, Jesus is honoring us when he gives us the Beatitudes, because the Beatitudes are the way back. Once we get a hold of our anger, and we see that this is, uh, this is a, this is the opposite. It's actually in the lineup of St. Thomas Aquinas's uh, Five Pairs of Virtues. It stands on its own because it's complex. Anger has got hurt and blame probably somewhere in that. And also a sense of injustice, which we feel totally rectified in blowing away the other because of this sense of injustice. But when we get down to it, we have to realize that God is calling us to something more, um, to act in an impassioned way, uh, under the sway of this anger, can really mess up our lives, even permanently. I have so much to say about this, but, you know, I'm going to say it in the day of prayer too.
0: Sister Mary Eucharista today on the program, talking with me about her upcoming uh, silent day of prayer. It's happening in one week. And sister, the the theme is on learning to, to deal with anger. Pow, I did it again. Um, how does anger live in our lives? How do we live well with it? How do we allow the Lord to cleanse us of hurt and blame that triggers angry responses that we're, we're ashamed of, that we feel terrible? Why did I do that? Sister, I, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to share a quick story about the connection between silence and healing. Uh, my spiritual director um, was uh, wanting me to deal with loneliness. And, um, and so the manifestation was that at 10 o'clock at night when I was in the seminary, I would go down to the refectory and make a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> and I didn't know why, because I wasn't hungry. And he <laughs> said, you have to learn to feel what you're feeling. So just sit in silence. The next time that you feel prompted to go eat something, just sit down and just ask the Lord to give you the grace to feel what you're feeling. And I can remember that as I did that, I began to experience this tremendous, like even intense, overwhelming experience of loneliness. And I didn't like it. And all of a sudden, I began to realize, oh, wow, I was trying to stuff. I was trying to fill up the experience of loneliness through eating food. But I didn't know that. It was unconscious. It wasn't rational. And so it was a really powerful way for me to sit in silence, to allow the Lord to come out into the open and bring me into contact with places in my heart where I was acting not out of a healthy place, but out of uh, something that was like a, a a deficit within me. Is there something that is analogous to that when we think about, um, what you're going to be doing with, um, helping folks reflect on anger in a place of silence?
1: Yes, Tom, I'm so glad you brought
0: that up. And it was,
1: I could powerfully feel the, uh, it was a visceral loneliness and isolation that I felt in my novitiate uh, 41 years ago when I was a first, first, a, you know, a young nun and I was so homesick and so unable to, uh, I mean, I cried every night and I didn't cry because I wanted to go home. I cried because my heart hurt and it was every day I would feel it. I'd be like, I'd be feeling this lonely, dark heaviness. And, you know, in those days, you never ask to go see a, a a counselor or, you know, get a medication or anything. So I dealt with it and it was painful. But we were given a very good recipe for how to deal with this. And this is the, the, the loneliness piece. Um, to ask God to come and fill my loneliness with him mm-hmm. and i just i i would go into the chapel and i would kneel down and i would just say lord i am so in pain right now i didn't even know how to describe it I just it was like this hole an unfillable hole just like you were experiencing with the peanut butter sandwich we didn't have permission to do that or i probably would have been down there with you except adding jelly along with <laughs> so I, I was um, I was in so much spiritual emotional and um, almost physical palpable pain from that that I just said every time I could form the words Lord give me grace help me build the foundation of my spiritual life help me to be the nun you've always wanted me to be give me a heart like King David and let me be your none. Let me be the one that you have changed so that I can do the thing that you want me to do and get me out of this world quick because this hurts. This loneliness hurts. And as time went on, it was interesting. I was able to actually um, kind of pass over some of that. And when I would go back home, I would realize I'm not that homesick anymore. In fact, I have found some very fulfilling ways that I have been able to kind of fill that hole. And I realized that's a God-sized hole that God is filling. It's not really about home. It's not really, it's not really about my home. It's about my home heaven with my, my God who I long for, but I don't know it. And that is what your peanut butter was. It was, you were hungry for God. You were isolated. You were lonely. You were experiencing what Adam felt in the garden When he didn't yet have eve and this is where especially in the seminary someone will experience whether or not he will be able to manage letting that loneliness be filled by god or if indeed that loneliness will need to be filled by a marriage or whatever god is drawing that person to Um, in your case i would suppose it was the other way with the marriage but that loneliness is real it's palpable and it is filled only by the things that God is offering to you at that time. And it doesn't mean that someone who can't be filled only by God alone at that time isn't as worthy or as blessed as you. You got, you got the full benefit of all the angles there, if you ask me, with uh, Carrie and your kids. But um, let me just explain about the anger thing, though. Um, with anger... Um, there's a, a, a theorist, who, his, um, he uses theology and philosophy along with psychology, and his name is Dr. Kevin Majors. And he's been heard on Dr. Doctor, and he's, I think he teaches at either Yale or Harvard. But he says that one of the best ways to monitor our anger is to, uh, when we feel it coming up, is to start asking ourselves curiosity questions about it. Like, wow, where is this centered right now? Oh, it's in my chest. Okay. Um, How is that? uh, How would I, on a zero to 10 scale, where would that be right now? These are curiosity questions that take you out of the um, impassioned, irrational state and into a place of thinking. We can't think those things when we are in that impassioned state. So by the fact that you're actually going into that curious place, Uh, or that place where you are uh, exhibiting, uh, you know, thoughtful thinking questions, you can't be in them both at the same time. Another thing you can do is actually breathe through your nose, believe it or not. This is a neurological way to get yourself on the right hemisphere where you cannot maintain this impassioned place or, or be in that judgmental blame state this righteous anger thing that we imagine that makes our anger okay because it doesn't it makes it worse um so to actually breathe through our nose and not our mouth our mouth will keep us in that left hemisphere where we're doing um righteous uh self-righteous uh oh yeah you know there's every reason under the sun why i need to be doing this right now and instead it's the curiosity questions breathe through my nose and make this happen if you can't breathe through your nose Find a way that you can go to the doctor and get that cleared up because you need to breathe through your nose if you're going to be able to, uh, you know, get into this state pronto because some of us have to.
0: Talking with Sister Mary Eucharista today about her upcoming silent day of prayer on the trouble of anger and it's entitled pow i did it again there's a website where you can go register for the retreat and get lots more information it's the it's the um it's the website for immaculate heart retreat center and here it is right here it's ihrc.net ihrc.net and if you click on the events page it's going to take you right to Sister's uh, page uh, event here. and then here's where you can register for the event as well as a full flow of the schedule. Sister, as you do these events and then you have a and that's coming up again, it's next Wednesday on right here, uh, January the 25th. 9 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon. Again, IHRC, net, and then under the events page. You're also doing a silent 24-hour, it's, it's actually considered a weekend retreat from men and women, and that's coming up February. Well, not really weekend. Excuse What's that? It's 24 hours. It's Friday at 4.30 to Saturday at 4.30. So it okay. wouldn't be, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I see this silent 24-hour retreat. And then the silent weekend retreat right here, sister. See, there's. Oh, I
1: don't know who put that in there. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So that's. This is mistake. great.
0: Well, you it's it, it's on the power of prayer, trust, and power conversations with God, which I love to hear more about this. And, and even just let me say it this way, um, folks hear about going on retreats. Folks often think about retreats principally as an opportunity to listen to talks and talk in small groups and then chit-chat and all of that. The emphasis on both of these retreats is silence. Now, not that there's aren't, you know, there's the Eucharist and there's, I mean the liturgy and there's prayer and, and 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 there are talk conferences, but talk about the importance of silence and what people say who maybe haven't done silence for the six hours of a day of prayer or for 24 hours. The difference that it makes in their lives
1: well the first thing i was told in the convent was we are quiet here so you know you don't uh, chit chat with your neighbor or you know run around the house or talk loud everything is in a more quiet tone and people are restful and peaceful in even daily duty so when i first started being silent i used to think oh boy it feels like a time out i don't like it at all And it took a few months before someone said, well, we aren't quiet just to be quiet. We're quiet so we can let God speak. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, my goodness, that is a complete switch because I don't know how I missed that one, but I just hated Having to always button my lip, and of course, you know, I was a chatty Kathy. I will say that now I really value silence, even though I still am kind of a chatty Kathy. But I, uh, I'm a, a chatty Eucharista. But I, um, I, I understand how silence can bring us to ourselves in a way. In fact, silence can bring us to a state of contemplation, which Aristotle says is the highest mode that a human being can attain. And the closest to the divine, the unmoved mover, who he recognized as the the creator, but uh, didn't know him as our our Christian God. He was uh, before Christ, but uh, I think that in the advice that your spiritual director gave you when you were eating a peanut butter sandwich in the kitchen at 10, 10 p.m., I think I think this silence is an aid to as I just said before, bring us to ourselves. It's like looking in a mirror. And when we hear nothing but the beating of our own heart and maybe our own breathing, hopefully through our noses, (laughs) we will be able to find an, an atmosphere that is not the technological filler that we're always listening for. Sometimes when we have silence, it's like silence in a conversation, we fill it with words. If it's silence at home, we fill it with music or a podcast or some kind of other thing. When we're in the car, fill that thing—you know, turn on the radio. Well, in this case, it's a good thing uh, because you're you're picking up Catholic radio. And these other things are not bad things; they're good for a good. We're looking for something beautiful, something good, and this is where we have to be able to uh, discern where is that vehicle through which God will speak to me. But I have to stop everything, really. If I just continue on and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking in my own head, that's not silence. Silence is where you can be in a place, typically a place you don't know or that you're not at home. And you will be in a desert spot, just like Jesus said, come away to a desert place. And that's where he talked to his father you know, Jesus probably had chatter going on. This wasn't, you know, it's like, oh boy, what am I, you know, as you watch The Chosen, which is just such a wonderful display of of a a new way to see Jesus in a very human manner and and see the personalities of these apostles, uh, very frustrating uh, to say the least because of, you know, but Jesus had infinite patience. Um, I think that silence enables us to do as St. Thomas Aquinas says, to ev- Within everything within us to have patience, but everything outside of us to have charity. Everything within us to have patience and everything outside of us to have charity. And charity is actually following God's law because that's the law that keeps us friends with God and friends with humanity. Uh, but also to be patient with ourselves because we're really like little unchecked children inside And sometimes we just need the quiet to reconfigure, rebalance, reboot what we are doing, which is getting to our home, which is heaven.
0: Amen. Now, sister, we have uh, just about three minutes left in the program, and I'd love for you to just speak to the folks that are listening and um, invite them uh, in your own way to one or other or both of these events, um, and if folks are not able to come to the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center here in Spokane, um, to seek out and make a retreat. This is your chance. Let's give them a specific invite.
1: Thank you, Tom. Yes, a retreat is something that people, either you've had experience, you haven't had experience with retreats. If you're not a retreat-going family, maybe try it out and see if it is something that will appeal to your heart or bring you back to yourself if you wonder about whether your grandchildren are going to know jesus because of the world and the flesh and the devil these three obstacles to grace if your own children have stopped listening to the word of god or have not practiced their faith in a while This is where you can go to get yourself back. It's not in haranguing them, but in quiet prayer that you're going to be able to invite them back through the word of God speaking somewhere in their lives. We affect the world by what we're doing. And retreat ministry is a kind of encounter with Jesus that cannot be achieved in any other way. When people say, come to this one day retreat, Actually, that's a misnomer because a retreat needs to be at least 24 hours because you need to sleep on it in that place, in that desert place where Jesus is talking. That would be, the other thing would be more of a day of prayer or a mission or or a conference, but a retreat is something that you are actually investing in something 24 hours or more to change your life on a certain level and encounter God in that place of discovery Not only will you discover more about God, but you may discover more about yourself and maybe how to hear him and how to listen, which is really uh, part of our spiritual walk. This is how we get on this completion of our journey. Maybe even to think, what will I have wished I had done when I'm on my deathbed? That's not a morbid thought. It's we're going home. And how will I have wished to have spent an extra day of this life, if not on retreat, I invite you all to come and experience this most wonderful thing, because it is something that can change your life. It changed mine. It changed Father Thompson, who became a priest on a retreat here at Immaculate Heart. And it can change many more lives. It Not only a state of life change, but maybe a change for the better, because God only wants to bring you happiness. If you're not happy, come on retreat.
0: I love that. That's Sister Mary Eucharista joining me today on the program, whether you're watching this uh, online or you're listening on Sacred Heart Radio. It's a real gift, Sister Eucharista, having you on. I do encourage you folks, IHRC.net, ImmaculateHeartRetreatCenter.net. You can go under the Events tab and you can come up and get in contact with her for the day of prayer or for the 24-hour retreat. And also there are sponsorships. If they need to get uh, like
1: uh, a scholarship for that, they can call at the front office and get a form and get a, you know, if they can't afford it where that's not an impediment.
0: Oh, that's tremendous. So again, you can find out that information by going to IHRC.net. Sister Mary Eucharista, thank you so much for being with me today on the program.
1: You're very welcome, Tom. God bless you and everyone listening.